Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you wanna learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and I'm on the journey to go from hip hop dancing engineer turned multifamily real estate investor. And this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors, discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. But before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you have a platform, podcast, YouTube channel, you're ready to create more content that breaks through the noise, be sure to check out Nightly Productions, find out how they can help you stop wasting time and money on content that does not deliver. Now, for today's guest, we have, you know what? I probably should have asked this uh, question even beforehand. How do you pronounce your last Wars Warzniak? Warzniak. 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 It was close. You almost out of there. Okay. <laughs> Justin Warzniak is the yeah. cash flow pro. As an elite engineer turned real estate professional, Justin loves to use his God-given strengths to help others. Justin is most active in the acquisition of small to medium-sized multifamily assets and holds a real estate license in Indiana and Michigan to help fellow investors build their portfolios. At a whopping 26 years old, Justin encourages everyone to invest in real estate, whether that be actively or passively. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thanks for having me, Taylor. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited to have you, especially just having another young, young real estate monster like yourself to be on this show. Like, I'm excited just to learn about you and learn about your journey. But first off, I'd love to know just how you got started in real estate in the first place. Yeah. So, uh, Similar to yourself, I have a, a background in engineering. And so I was actually born in Orlando, Florida. I, I went to engineering school. My, my dad was an engineer. His dad was an engineer. So when it came time for choosing that major, I didn't even think about it. I was like, all right, I think it runs in the family, right? Right. So did the, did the engineering degree. I was pretty good at it. To be honest, I don't, I don't know if I liked it very much, but I was pretty good at it. <laughs> Graduated, did what any new graduate does and try to get the best job possible. So that's what moved me actually to Indianapolis, Indiana, where I picked up a job at a, you know, a top pharmaceutical company, got in and realized I had made a huge mistake on career choice. Oh, no. I, yeah, I did not. I was not enjoying myself. And so, you know, I was sitting there, I was at a high, high income earner in like a quote unquote secure job, secure role. But I, I feel like I just had like bigger aspirations, you know, more ambition. Than, and it was kind of along the, you know, the investor and the entrepreneurial side that I was just wasn't getting met in the, in that, you know, engineering role. And so I, I did something crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I let let everyone know, let my grandma, let my dad know, let my mom know. It's like, hey, you know, I'm really thinking about transitioning into a different field. And, you know, one of the, the big reasons why I decided to transition to real estate is because for me, it was, you know, something where I had a lot of passion. I enjoyed it. And I also realized that it is kind of like a, like as far as in the investment world, it's real estate itself is is 
down to the to to the base level it's a it's a basic necessity like we all crave safety and shelter and it's something that we need like <laughs> there's a great story like for instance when i was like 13 years old there was a group of us and there was this island on uh, lake maitland in in maitland florida and we all i don't know how we convinced our parents but 13 years old they said yeah you guys can stay the night on this island so you know one of us had a boat we boated out there you know hooligans were messing around and it came nighttime and we had forgotten to bring tents and so this this just was crazy because obviously we're 13 we're like all right well no big deal we'll just you know throw the sleeping bags out and i think some people can they can just throw sleeping bags on the dirt and fall asleep and be totally fine but i remember being so scared (laughs) i was like (laughs) i was like there's a florida panther or something in these woods like i'm toast like this is it it's been a good run And what I realized looking back now is if I had just simply had, you know, the tent, the four walls and a roof, I would have, I would have slept like a baby, like no problem. But as soon as you remove that, you, you remove that like basic necessity, that safety and that shelter. Like I, I was scared out of my mind. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's like one of the reasons. And then also like real estate. And I don't know if you felt this as well. It's like, you can talk to anyone about real estate. You can connect with anyone about real estate because, you know, we've all, we've all lived somewhere. Like we all had homes, like most of us know the addresses, like we can still remember all the addresses of all the homes that we've lived in for our life. Like that's, that's crazy. And it, it just really connects everyone. And like my, my childhood home, I still remember we had a uh, vaulted ceiling with these big windows. And when it would, it would be those classic Florida hurricanes. My dad and I would get the pillows out. We'd sit there and we'd literally watch the lightning storms through the windows and like count the time be- between lightning strikes. It was Aww. super corny, but it was, it was great. No, great little adorable. bonding time. That's yeah. adorable. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that. Like I distinctly yeah. remember that. And it was, you know, part of the home. Like that was part of what we did at that home. And then fast forward to, you know, going to university and stuff. I still remember the college apartments that we had and the friends and the tailgates for the football games and, and all the, you know, the good memories that we had at those different, uh, you know, apartments, homes, whatever it may be, real estate assets. And so that's why it's so powerful. I mean, that's why I love real estate and why I got into it is because it just simply connects us all. And we don't realize how much of our lives, you know, our family, friends and memories and stuff are really tied into the, the brick and mortar of real estate. And so that's what got me fired up. And, you know, at that point, I was like, all right, engineering, see you later. <laughs> and I, uh, I went ahead and went, you know, full time as a real estate professional. And so that was getting licensed in, in Indiana and then continuing as an investor. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of where the, the cash flow pro came cash from. Flow, also, yeah. if you've seen me on social media, which I know you have Taylor, the cash flow cowboy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to get, get younger professionals and, and stuff like that fired up about real estate, or at least get grab attention long enough that they can, uh, they can see just the, the amazing opportunity that is possible in the real estate world. Right. And so, yeah, you know, now, you know, as a, as a, as a licensed uh, broker, you know, a real estate agent, if you want to call it that, depending on what, what uh, state you're in, but uh, I've been licensed for about a year at this point. We've, I've done anything from, selling a single family home to a 16 unit apartment building. 
the probably 99% of those transactions have been with investors. So I love working with investors. That's kind of my background, uh, you know, helping, you know, families, investors, whoever may be find income producing property. Uh, you know, that's so the, the license has always just been an extra tool in the toolbox to help others. And then on the investment side, I think I mentioned this to you, Taylor. We, I started acquisitions, at least focusing on acquiring uh, smaller, you know, kind of like mom and pop type investment properties, multifamily. That started about February of 2021, so February of this year. And late March, we were actually under contract and, and we closed here. Hopefully, by the time this airs, we have closed on ten, our first 10 unit apartment building. Fingers JV crossed. structure. Yeah. Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah, yeah. Everything's looking for good. You. We got, we got a very, uh, nice seller on that where he's very, uh, he's able to help us out a lot because we've had to push back closing one or two times just because the newbie investors with lending and one of our partners is out of New Zealand. So we've been trying to figure out what that means <laughs> as far as partnership structure and signing on the bank debt. It's, it's been a wild ride, but learned a lot. And then hopefully we close that thing up soon and continue the momentum in the, uh, in the investment side of things. Well, first off, before we like, we even dive into that 10 unit, cause I'd love to just like know the yes. whole story with, within that. I mean, something that uh, really stood out to me was the, the emphasis on experience and, uh, and how that has related you to real estate in so many different ways where I feel like what, you know, with, people around me and some of the people that I've talked to people always talk about like, Oh, real estate. It's I love investing in it. You can make so much money in it. 90% of all millionaires invest in real estate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like at the end of the day, it's really cool to see that we have all these different experiences within real estate. Um, And uh, we create these different moments with the people around us, like with wherever that we are living at. And so it's, it's a, it's a really cool, just like common necessity that uh, really cool, just perspective on real estate that I haven't heard too much on this show. Like we always talk about like improving communities, but like actually hearing that experience and hearing that story about uh, you and your dad watching the lightning strikes and then also like going out and being worried about a Florida Panthers coming at you. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm not uh, even know if I'm not even sure if there's, they're probably almost endangered extinct at this point, but I know at 13 years old, <laughs> I, they were everywhere as, as far as I was concerned. Anything is possible. Yeah, yeah, it is. It does connect us all. And I realized that, especially with my engineering background is that if someone were to ask you, ask me what I did as an engineer, I'd kind of start, start talking about it man i saw the <laughs> their eyes roll back they they're like what is this guy talking about like that yeah. way high level stuff and and obviously engineering is a very vital part of our society and we obviously need engineers and and doctors and and lawyers and all these other professions but for me just simply being in real estate i love the aspect that i can talk to you i can talk to joe schmo down the street nate you know your neighbor and stuff and you can connect with them they have like everyone has stories and memories that are associated with real estate you can talk to them for for days right on end and that is that is just like a really incredible side of the real estate world that like you mentioned a lot of people don't don't necessarily think about is that how how interwoven it is in all of our lives no absolutely and you know it's funny that when you joined that engineering firm, you, you talked about how it was like one of like the biggest mistakes <laughs> that yeah. that you've had. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd love to just like dive into that just like a little bit more. Cause I, th- I think I have like a, 
a similar experience, you know, when I was in the engineering firm and just what I was kind of going through at that time and why I wanted to start getting into real estate. But I'd love to just know, like, know your perspective is just like, because I mean, technically you could be talking to, to other engineers about products and, yep. and, you know, nice little coffee, coffee shop talk and a yep. water cooler talk. Uh, so, you know, what was the, what was that feeling and in, in moment where you're just like, whoa, I can't, I can't be here. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it was, so a big, a big focus for me was that don't get like, just, just put this out. The, the company I was with, like, they're an awesome company. Right. And so it, it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, who I was working for. I love the people that I was working with, but the kicker was, it was kind of around freedom, I guess is probably the, the main theme that I came to. And it's for, for a lot of us, freedom of time is important. So you want to be able to, you know, spend time with your kids or, or your family or take those vacations, travel when they're convenient with your schedule and not when it's convenient with the company's schedule. That was a huge one. So I didn't really have much freedom of time, just given that, you know, as a salaried employee, it was kind of like, all right, well, you know, you have your certain amount of vacation days. And, you know, if if they don't line up when it's convenient for the company, then you kind of have to push that to a different time. And that that really put a strain on on my thinking of, hey, can I do this for another 45 years? You know, can I can I just continue to push off those those, you know, those experiences, the, you know, traveling and, and memories and stuff like that, you know, vacations with family. Can I really push that off for another 45 years? And for me, that was that was probably a no. So that was one of them. The other thing is financial freedom. So at the time of leaving, I was not financially free. I'm not even financially free right now. And what I mean by financial freedom is a lot of people kind of define it as, hey, do you have enough passive income or investment income that you can live off of? And now you have, you know, you don't have to work. You don't have, you can do whatever you want. That is kind of like the financial freedom of, you know, you have investments or passive income that cover your, your everyday living expenses. I was not there. All I had was one house hack investment property at the time. But what I realized is that, okay, well, I can just get another replacement to that income. And that's what being licensed as a real estate agent, you know, as a real estate broker has done. It's, you know, it pays for the the investments, you know, the capital for the investments, and it's also capital for living expenses. Right. So I was like, all right, there's another freedom. Like I can, I can figure out the, the financial freedom. I don't have it, but it's not going to like, I'm still going to be able to eat. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to, like, I'm not going to be living off ramen as soon as I leave this, this position. And then lastly, a huge one is freedom of location that a lot of people don't realize is that job, that engineering job of mine would have tied me to a singular location. So at Indianapolis in this situation. And if I wanted to move somewhere else, it was either, hey, the company happened to have a plant or a, or a, you know, a building there that I can go move and work at which would still kind of be a process, kind of uncertain, or I have to go interview at a different, I have to go leave that company for another engineering company that happens to be in that area and kind of hope, you know, hope the hiring process and everything works out. So within the real estate world now, the the amount of freedom of location, like you can, you can invest anywhere. I got a lot of California investors that are investing with me here in Indianapolis. And they're, they're out in California, they're out on the beach in California enjoying their life <laughs> and they're still able to get income producing properties. And so you kind of have a lot more freedom, like even 
you know, the, the partner I mentioned on the tenure, he's out of New Zealand. He's underwriting deals for us here in the Midwest and all over the country. And he's out of New Zealand. He's not even in our country. Like it's incredible the amount of the freedom of location that's possible in the real estate world. And so it was kind of freedom was the big one. And then if you got, you know, an hour and a half, we can talk about how retirement and 401ks were, uh, were the <laughs> the reason not one of the reasons that I left just because I am very anti or one K I, I guess if you want to say I'm woke I'm woke on the uh on the <laughs> retirement side of things and how a lot of us aren't aware of really how much needs to go into and how how early you need to start thinking about that retirement if you want to if you want to like enjoy yourself when you retire yeah we can all like retire at 65 with enough in the bank and then we've missed all this time with family and friends. Like That's great. But if you want to actually enjoy your, you know, through your life and through retirement, you kind of have to, there's, there's some things that go into it. And I was, uh, I uh, became aware of them very early on, just having my dad as an engineer. Like, so it's like, I was looking at my future, you know, and then just kind of taking an analysis of who are the successful engineers in that company, how'd they get there? You know, how much time, how much of their life did they commit to getting there? And what is their ultimate? What's the reward for that? And for me, it, it, it wasn't enough just to, to put in that much time, that much hustle to not not really spend enough time with your family and to only get to, you know, kind of that level. And that that to me was a wake up call of, hey, there's there's something better. And that's kind of you mentioned it. Ninety percent you know, of, of millionaires are in the real estate world. There's a reason why it's because the ceiling, if you put in the hustle, put in the grind, like there's no ceiling. Like you could just keep going, keep growing. And there's there's a lot more freedom, a lot more control there. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something I want to touch on, too. And, and I've had the same I had this uh, very, very similar feeling was you, you see your future. And and that was the I don't necessarily and and this isn't me like talking bad on like any W2 jobs. And I think like there's still great ways of like producing income and making a living and even having a good retirement. But I think just that feeling of just like being tied down and not necessarily like, you know, that you're going to have to be there for X amount of years and without really like any mobility, I guess, like maybe remotes, you know, if that could work. I mean, it is being a, a lot more common, but even then just like knowing that you have to be tied down to this job in order to, to pay your expenses. It's just a, it's a scary feeling. It is a scary. And, and, you know, I do want to dive into shortened, of course, about the whole idea of retirement and what that looks like afterwards. Cause I feel like it's just a, a very traditional way of thinking where, you know, we have to go to our job and to 401k is like, the best thing ever. And, you know, it's so secure and super safe, but like coming from a young perspective, a young hustler like yourself, and then seeing like these engineers that have gone through, it might not be the best route. So I'd love to just like hear your take on retirement accounts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if, if you look at like the educational system and, and I am like even my family system and dynamic, it was, you know, go get that safe, secure job, that high earning job, which is, there's nothing wrong with it. But when your only investment for retirement is simply, you know, the putting in to your 401k and, you know, hoping in 45 years, you wake up and there's, there's money there for you to retire off of, like, that's a scary thought. Like that's your whole life that you, that you're, you're banking on one, like we're not just, if you think about your education and and a lot of anyone listening, you think about your education, probably most of you did not get any sort of formal training on investments whatsoever, how to invest, what's a good investment, 
Dogecoin. (laughs) Why cryptocurrency is so awesome. (laughs) Anything like that. Like no one, you don't really get taught that. Maybe if you were like a finance major or something along those lines, you have a a much better understanding. But for the normal W-2 employee out there that's working their tail off and saving for the 401k, like if you think about it, one, you're not even managing your own 401k. There's, there's, there are large conglomerates that are the ones that are managing those mutual funds and those investment funds and stuff. And they're getting like, they're going to get paid because they get it. It's like a fee based. So they're, they're obviously making money and their goal is to make you money. Obviously they, they want to, you know, help you out. But if you saw it, even with COVID, let's say you were planning on retiring 2020 and you saw your retirement lose 25% of its value. Oof. And you're like, I have to keep working. Like I literally have to, I have to keep working. So with the 401k, since they're so market driven and so volatile in that sense, like your retirement is tied to if we just happen to be in a good cycle of the market. And that like, if you get to a certain age, which is going to sound really harsh, if you get to a certain age, your salary on that business is probably going to be high because you've been working there for a while. So you have a high salary, you're up there in age and they look at you and they go, Heck, we can go get some, we can go get a college grad, go teach them maybe 75% of what you know, but pay them, you know, 25% of what we're paying you. Hey, you know, sorry, you know, you're, you're done here. We're yeah. See you later. We're, we're moving on. And a lot of people probably saw that during COVID too, where they've been in their, their business or their industry for 30, 40 years and they're being let go. And they're like, well, all I know is this, this is all I know. I got <laughs> let go too during COVID. Exactly. How crazy is that? My mom, my yeah. my mom got let go, and she's been in the the industry for like thirty years. Wow. And so, if you look at that, and if you didn't have, if you don't have like the passive income, like real estate investments and stuff like that to fall back on, or even the knowledge of how to grow or how to invest, you know, that that's a scary, scary thing, especially in these quote unquote secure jobs. So. The 401k, like if you think about it, you retire at 65, right? That's like the average retirement age, 65. Well, if you live to 85 years old, you have 20 years of living off of whatever was in the bank, you know, whatever you had saved up. And if you, you know, if you're conservative, maybe you spend 50k a year and some medical expenses, that's like a million dollars. Like you have to have, that's right now. So it's obviously with inflation, when it's our time to retire, it's going to be more, but you need like a million in the bank that's a scary thought. Like a lot of people are like one in four Americans. They don't even have, they haven't even started saving for retirement adults. They're, they're not, even, they're like, yeah, I'll figure it out later. And so it's just so scary. It, it just scares me. And, you know, I looked at that from, you know, as a 25 year old, 26 year old. And I was like, I, I got to do something about this now. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of people, they're, they're deep in their 401k. That's all they've been investing in. And it's not too late to start diversifying into, you know, different investments and in, in real estate and stuff like that. Because I think a lot of people realize that they, they want when they retire, especially because they've worked so hard in the W-2 job, when it's time to retire, like they want to enjoy that retirement. And so for me, that's a huge focus on what I do is, you know, I help out of California, for instance, I had uh, clients out of California, they just had a baby. They're, you know, life's getting started and they're like, Hey, we want to, you know, we want to start looking towards the future. So for instance, we just got a investment property for them. That is going to be the seeds of the, the, when, when their, when their daughter grows up, that's going to be her retire or not retirement. That's going to be her college fund. And so, you know, they just did that. That was like, I think we closed like a couple months ago and they're already looking for their next property. Like they're hungry. 
and that's out of California. So it's like uh, their focus, they see now they're a young couple, but they see now the importance of having the passive income from investments and not just, you know, having a bunch saved up in the bank that the money's not really working for you. So, you know, not a huge fan of the 401k. I think it's a great thing if you pair it with other you know, real estate investment, or if you, you know, educate your, options. yourself enough yeah. with like stock investing or, you know, cryptocurrency, <laughs> if you educate yourself enough where you can go into that and still, you know, diversify your portfolio a little bit, not just bank on, just don't just bank on a 401k because the reason companies are doing 401ks instead of pensions is because it's advantageous for the business to not pay you a pension. Like now they, they, they do the company match, which you're like, Oh, this is awesome. They're matching it. But at the same time, they're writing off that company match as you know, against their book. So it's like somewhat advantageous for them. At least it's a, it's a write off. And so that those are kind of the reasons why I think if you're going to do 401k, which it's still a good thing to do. And a lot of us have done it and are doing it. Just don't just bank on that. Like, Mm. There's got to be something better. And you can probably earn better returns. Like if you're not going to touch that money for 40 years, like, could you imagine that money in real estate? Like, you you know, Taylor, like if you put that money into real estate, you can make exponentially more because it's not like you need that money. It's not like you need it liquid to go, you know, spend on anything. If you're if you're writing it off and you're not going to touch it for 40 years, the amount of exponential growth that could happen in the real estate world with that would be so much more. And you'd be sitting with sitting there with pat, you know, passive income generating assets when it's time to retire. And those assets can be passed along to your next of kin, your kids, your family, or whatever it may be. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing, the real estate world. And I think it's a good, good vehicle outside of that 401k to make sure you're set up and you're comfortable, comfortable for retirement. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting point too, on that employer match, there's a cap to that employer match as well, where they can only, you can only put in so much and I mean, you're kind of capped with how much you can put into your 401k and it only can grow so much from there. Whereas like if you put into a real estate syndication, I mean, those numbers can grow way more. And I mean, you can see the control within that asset a lot more so than wherever your 401k is diversified. Before we dive into that 10 unit, I one last question I want to uh, talk about in your journey is like when you made that transition over to real estate, um, did you start part-time as in, in learning it on the side while you were in your W-2 or did you just like take the leap and you're like, you know what, let's, let's see how long I can last and, and it ended up working out. Yeah. So I, I did not do part-time. I made the leap, but I, I kind of, I hedged that leap a little bit. And so uh-huh. what I actually did was I knew I, I knew I was transitioning. I was like, all right, I am going into real estate. And so what happened was start of January, 2020 was they had asked me to go to uh, night shift. <laughs> and I remember at first I was like, heck no, no way I'm doing this. Yeah. But out of, you know, I guess I was somewhat forced to do it. I didn't really have too much, <laughs> you know, it was like me and it was me and some other guy and they're like, yeah, we're not hiring anyone for night shift. So it's whether you're doing it or you're doing it. And so like, uh... like, all right, all right, all right. I'll start. And what I realized was actually a blessing. It was an absolute blessing in disguise because what happened was now I was working three in the afternoon to one thirty at night. But from, you know, when I woke up in the morning until, you know, three, when I went to work, I was able to do real estate investments. 
And so, yes, I was, if you think about it, all my free time was essentially spent on, on investments, but I knew that was going to be my future. I knew this was like put in the work, the grind now, and it's going to be worth it. But it was also during the time that all the other real estate professionals were working. So like, because I was on night shift, I now had more success on the investment side during uh, the day <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. than when I was traditionally, I was getting home at after a full day of work, you know, I don't know, five o'clock if I was lucky, usually closer to six, seven, eight o'clock. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to open the computer. I don't want to get on bigger <laughs> pockets and start educating myself. I don't want to read, like listen to podcasts. Like I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was because I shifted to night shift and a lot of people, you can do this, whether you're, if you're virtual, like you can kind of do your work later on or something like that. I just found it better where I was getting the real estate investment work. If you want to call it work done, education done in the morning and then going to work and just kept recycling through that. And so it was about a six month process of doing that before I then left uh, my engineering job to get licensed and become a full-time real estate professional. Did you do any deals while you were working on that schedule within those six months? Yeah, right out of the... So when I moved to Indianapolis, within like a year, I had purchased a house hack. So I moved to Indianapolis. I knew a couple of buddies from, from school. And so I, I did what any moving to a new city would do. I got an apartment in downtown Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. <laughs> Doug, it was a blast. You had walk everywhere, get to really explore the city. But it was also rental income being paid to someone else. And so I quickly realized that, hey, I want to go ahead and try to do a house hack. You know, I've heard it a bunch. House hack for anyone not who doesn't know what that is. It's pretty much like a one to four unit building where you can get personal financing on it and you actually live in one of the units and you're now a landlord because you rent out the other the other units. And so my house hack was actually a single family home with a basement, a fully finished basement that had a side entrance to that basement. And I purchased it. I built I, I built a kitchen down there and, and converted that basement into its own unit. And so now it was operating as kind of like a duplex situation, running the upstairs to tenants, getting, you know, getting my, my feet wet in the landlording space. And that was all while I was still actively employed on day shift too. So I was coming home from work and then like rolling into no air conditioning basement, middle of the summer, building a kitchen in there. It was wild. <laughs> and then I'd fall asleep, turn, I'd turn all the fans on, I'd fall asleep, I'd wake up, I'd do it again. And so, yeah, it was a bit of a grind, but that was the, that saved me so much money, you know, being 25 years, think about it before kids, before family, what are your big expenses, housing, food, and then maybe like travel, I guess you can throw in there and then kind of, you know, whatever you choose or clothes or whatever you spend money yeah. on. <laughs> and so my housing was, I was getting paid each month because of how lucrative this house hack was, was I was actually making money off of it while living for free. So that was like even more money if you factor, I'm not, I don't have a rent expense. And so I right, food, well, there was actually a portion of time when I was working as engineering right when COVID hit that they started paying for food because if you had to go into the office instead of work from home, they kind of felt bad. So they were like, I will right, we'll pay for your food. Ah, nice. Yeah. So then I was like, now I'm supercharged on the amount of like, I have no expenses now, like travel, I guess, but I'm working so much that I can't even travel. And so now I'm like, my three major expenses are don't have anymore. And so that house hack plus a couple other external factors, like really helped me save up enough of a, I want to say like a nest egg. It was more of like a confidence egg, if you think about it, where yeah, it's like, yeah. all right, if this doesn't work out, like I'm still good. 
for a little bit. Like I'm not going to be on the street eating ramen anytime soon. Like I'm good here. And so those kind of like, that was my only investment property at the time and then left and, you know, got licensed and became a real estate professional. Nice. Yeah. And then for, um, you know, I'd love to know for, you know what, actually I want to dive into, into that for the next episode, because like for, for people that are in, want to get into real estate, but can't necessarily take that leap. I'm curious to know like your advice and your action items that you would give to somebody that is um, professional that wants to get into the real estate world, but can't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily have the flexibility or the lack of expenses that they got to cover to do so. I'd love to just hear your take on that. But on the next episode, this Friday, when we talk about action items, because I do want to cover this 10 unit that y'all are are working on right now, like how you met it, financing you got on it, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I mean, first off, how did you find the deal? Yes. So this is going to be one of those action items, but I won't touch on it for the next episode. I won't touch on it too much, but so I joined this year, I joined master, a couple of masterminds, two masterminds. And one of those masterminds, we actually have kind of formed a little bit of a partnership around make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> make it happen. We formed a, a partnership within that mastermind. One of the gentlemen's out of New Zealand helps with underwriting. Uh, another gentleman's actually out of the kind of the Chicago area out of Illinois who does similar to myself, kind of on the deal finding side. And then just through the mastermind, there's plenty of capital available. And so what actually happened, it was it was the gentleman out of Illinois who found it. And it was in a market, Muncie, Indiana. So it's a market that's about an hour away from me here in Indianapolis. Secondary market, they have a big uh, university there. They have a hospital there. And it's very pocketed as far as this area is not great, but this area up here kind of close to the hospital and, and the university are actually really nice, mm-hmm. nice in, in, in growth growing markets. So he found it through direct to seller, wasn't no broker involved. I happened to have toured a couple properties in Muncie where we felt confident with the market. And at that point, you know, we pulled a list of Muncie, Indiana apartment building owners, and we started just actively pursuing that direct to seller campaign. We, we got it. We got a lead and it was actually a small business owner from town. And so Hmm. He had a portfolio of maybe 17 single family homes. He was running his own small business in town and he had this 10 unit apartment building. And so for him, he was getting up towards the, I mean, he's, he's probably five, five years out, maybe 10 years out from retirement. So he's getting, he's getting up there where it's just, it's too much work. It was too much work. We caught him at a good time where he probably had just had like a, you know, maybe a couple of rough. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a broken toilet or something at one of the single families or maybe a rough week at at the as a business owner. And we caught him at a good time where he was like, All right, I just want to unload this 10 unit causing more trouble than than helpful. And so we we picked this thing up for like pennies, like it was a really good deal. And so we got it under contract really quickly because it was wasn't very expensive. We're actually doing it where it's just the three partners, gentlemen out of New Zealand, gentlemen out of uh, Illinois than myself. So it's just the three of us. We didn't need to bring any outside capital. Nice. And so taking it down, it's a 1994 build, which is fantastic because Ooh. it's so young. It's so young. And when we went and walked through it, like minor renovations needed. Like, I don't know why he wanted to get rid of it. I think it was just because he had too much going on. And this was like, all right, I can get rid of one asset and lose, you know, 10 tenants in the process to worry mm-hmm. about. And so super young, light renovation needed. We're going to take it down as a JV structure. And we actually have to do this 
you'll love this. I'm not sure if even not very many people know, but a tenancy in common. Mm -hmm. So instead of buying it with an LLC, and then each of us as partners, we sign on the LLC, we have to do it as we each have our own entity as tenants in common. And then we have a partnership agreement that wraps that up. And the reason why is uh, one of the gentlemen is out of New Zealand, like I mentioned, and he the certain tax laws out of New Zealand, he has to be an active business Uh owner to take advantage of depreciation for it to pass through to him. And so because of that, he can't sign on an LLC because that makes him passive. He has to be a tenant in common, which now makes him active. Hmm. So fun. This has been like an absolute roller coaster. That's probably why we've kind of had to push out closing a couple of times because we're like the, the bank's like, what is this? The lawyers like we don't we don't normally do these kind of partnership agreements. And we're just trying to navigate all that. Even the CPA is like, oh, I think I can do this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been a new experience for a lot of people, but the financing has been really good as well on this. So we're we're it's someone that the guy at Illinois has a long relationship with. So this is key. I mean, this is one of those like always be building relationships with lenders, property managers you name it, contractors, brokers, because they've done so many single family flips together that he's like, yeah, I, I feel comfortable with an apartment building. And we're getting uh. we're getting like a single family flip type financing, like really good, you know, uh, 30 year AM. We, it does have a five year term, but it's three and a half percent interest. Like it's a really good Whoa. loan. And it's because of that relationship. So then we got we got that relationship through him, a relationship that I have with a property management company in town is out of Muncie, is taking mm-hmm. over the the management. So the asset's gonna be run well. Like it's it's a good deal. And there's just a ton of it just juiced returns on that thing as well. So it's like a home run deal, first deal. Got a lot of good people as far as lender, property management. Yeah, it was a little dicey on the the partnership structure, but we got through that. And so we closed this thing up in in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks nice. we close it up. <laughs> now was the the person that the other partner, his his lender, was uh he coming from like a community bank? Was he um Yep, yep, okay. community bank. Oh oh it. It, unless like I, I've found personally like community banks are the best for financing kind of the small to medium multifamily range or if you're if you're an investor looking for like one to four unit stuff Mm -hmm. like the community bank is the way to go and the reason is it's because you can build a relationship and when you when you put some money into their banks like it's much more significant than you putting money into like a chase or you know a large bank like that wells fargo like you're you're a nobody unless you're putting like a hundred million then you're like maybe maybe someone significant which I don't know about you. I'm not. I'm not putting <laughs> I'm, in 100 million in just yet. So uh, <laughs> getting there, getting there. Yeah. So that that's always good. There's a lot more flexibility, and it's really good when they can hold the loan on their own balance sheets. Versus for those not familiar, usually banks will they'll have like a set criteria for your loan, and that's because they plan on uh, selling it to you know to government backed agencies like Freddie Mae or Freddie Mac. And so they just have to meet a certain requirement. So there's not much flexibility in kind of what they can offer. But when they're going to hold that loan on their own balance sheet, then, you know, there's a little bit more flexibility. You can work with them. If the the property has a story, you can kind of tell that story to them, get, you know, sell it a little bit, get them, get them more involved. And so that's, that's kind of, they're actually going to hold this one on their own balance sheets, um, which is good because that's, that's why we have such a strong you know, rate and in terms and stuff like that on it. It's because you really, they really built that relationship with the yep. uh, yep. partner prior. 
And exactly. so it, it's not really like sh- you don't have those strict requirements, those reserve requirements as Fannie and Freddie, like whereas yeah. like with the community bank, it's more yeah. on the relationship and the trust factor instead of just analyzing it as like, this is a business, can we lend it or not? Yes. And real estate at its core is a relationship business. Like it really is that, you know, even that if you think about it, I would not even be on this deal if I didn't have a relationship with, you know, this partner out of Illinois. Like I was, I was fortunate enough to be asked just given my proximity to the deal and to, and having the local knowledge and, and, and everything that I was asked to, to be brought onto this deal. And now, you know, now in my first apartment building, like it's super exciting and crazy yeah. how it works, but it is, it's relationships. And then you even take that a step further with the vendors. Like you want relationships with, with, uh, you know, property management company and lenders, make sure the assets being taken care of, make sure it's getting financed to the best terms possible. Like it's crazy how much in the, and let's say in the engineering world, it was a lot of like head down, just grind it out working. And there's, and now in the real estate world, and I love it, it's a lot more of people focused, you know, connecting with people, doing podcasts, you know, whatever it may be, just really getting to know other investors. And the community is, it's so big, like real estate is so big, but the community is so small. small. Like everyone knows everyone, they're all connected. And that is, it's like a family feel. It's got like a really nice family feel to it. So highly recommend if you are, you know, any investor out there, just make sure you're, you're networking and connecting with people as much as possible. Yeah. You know, I can't speak so much for like, in, for people that are investing in single family, but like, I know with, within multifamily, it seems like everybody, you're only like one person separated from like a a big honcho, like per se. And I feel like it's such a small community that everyone's just trying to help each other and like grow together. And so yeah, yeah that's so true like you're literally only one you go on linkedin and then look it up like you're literally <laughs> your second connection with someone big out there like you definitely yeah. are so it, it is crazy how close-knit it is how close you are to someone else and if you just like I, I my personal career like investment career if i just take a step back and be like how did i get to know that person that you know has obviously been a huge influence on my life but, you know i look back and it's like oh i just happened to talk to someone randomly and then they were like hey you should hey you should connect with with taylor and next thing you know you know we're we're chatting here on this podcast like it's crazy how close everything is how you get out there you, you start networking you go to different events go to the events is a huge thing and it it keeps you i've personally felt like it's keep me it keeps me juiced it keeps me going it's like uh rocket fuel you know like when you can Rocket connect with, yeah. with someone, uh, you know, another young hustler, like I can hear your story and how you're, you're getting into it, engineering and, you know, the, the artist background with is dancing, right. With the, yeah. with the dancing background, like <laughs> hip hop, right. Hip hop dancing. Yeah. yeah hip hop dancing. You're going to bust a couple moves. For Ooh, us? Uh, maybe later, maybe hey, later. Another podcast. <laughs> if I know anything about, uh, I've, I've been playing basketball recently. I got to make sure I'd be stretching beforehand, oh, yeah. or I'm going to pull something. <laughs> I feel you there. But yeah, it's crazy how, you know, everyone's connected and, and you get to hear about more and more stories and that's what gets me fired up. That's what keeps me going. And it's, you know, rocket fuel, man. Yeah. Shout out to rock rocket fuel. (laughs) (laughs) Now, so now moving forward, then what are you focusing on now? Like what's the, what is the legacy that you want to leave in on the world? Yes. A huge legacy and that I'm building right now is my real estate investment company. And so this 
it was actually formed out of a not so great place. So what happened was when I first got in the engineering world, excuse me, the, the real estate world, I had a failed partnership in which case, you know, the, a lot of, you know, they're good dudes. We were, we had a little partnership going, being very productive, getting a lot done. But what, what happened was there's was just too many, I wouldn't say cooks in the kitchen. It was too many egos. If you want to call it that, like Ooh. a lot of big egos, which is fairly common in the real estate realm. Yeah. It's very, you know, at times it's somewhat predatorial and, and high egos. Like it's, you know, you know, kind of pretty cutthroat business sometimes. And so I had experienced that and then the partnership didn't work out as a result. And so I was in kind of like a, a tough spot, you know, I, I just left engineering, joined this partnership and was kind of just didn't really know, you know, did I make the right decision and all that, you know, but what I realized it was kind of, it was more of, you know, I wasn't really being true to myself. You know, I was, I was trying to, obviously I was building up my own ego and stuff like that. And so that's when I kind of took a, took a step back. And what I've, what I've built now is, is a company called Risen Real Estate. And so this is an investment company, but it's faith rooted. And the reason why faith, you know, faith is important in my life, but it, it was so important that I integrated it within my real estate company is because it is sometimes a, a predatorial type industry, or, or there's a lot of people that are just in it to, you know, to win over someone else. And there's, you know, we mentioned it before, there's so much opportunity in the real estate world that I, I would like to build that wealth with good people, you know, good quality, genuine people that are, that are more focused on kind of elevating each other rather than, you know, winning over someone else, you know, create win-win situations. And, and, you know, the, the, the mission there is, is kind of utilizing real estate to serve communities, you know, give back whatever you can to, to help positively impact people. Cause I know, like, I already know it's like what you give is what you get, you know? So if I'm out there just always, you know, trying to undercut people, it's like, well, I'm probably going to get undercut myself at some point. Like karma, karma has a funny way of making itself around. So I'm more of a at, you know, lead with value, lead with, with servitude towards others and, and just see what happens. And so that's where this, this company was built out of. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm building that thing up investment wise, direct to seller type systems are being built without, you know, through that company where we're trying to get a hold of as much mom and pops as possible for selling their, their apartment buildings. And so I get licensed in Michigan. I think I mentioned this to you earlier is I am moving to Michigan. So I'm going to get licensed in Michigan, moving the business up there as well, expanding it up there. In which case, you know, there's actually kind of quite a few more mom and pops up there. So I'm, I'm excited about that growth. And then closing that 10 unit apartment building as soon as physically possible is, is kind of the path forward. So build the business, close the deal that we have right now, and then just, just keep growing, keep cool. helping uh, high income earners, small business owners, you know, just other real estate investors, just help them build their portfolios as well and continue their real estate journeys. Awesome. And if people want to get in hold of you, how can they get in touch? Yes. You can go to my website, www.justinwarziniak.com. You're, everyone's was like, all right, well, I don't know how to spell Warziniak. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's in the show notes. Yeah, it will be in the show notes. Sorry, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> in the show notes. It is a tough, tough last name to remember. But there, that that's kind of, you know, you can schedule a call with me. We can chat, see what, see what your real estate journey looks like, how I can help you out. And then ad- additionally, um, if you want to be a little bit more entertained and a little more educated, you can follow me on different social media platforms at just Warziniak. And that is where you'll get to see the cash flow cowboy in full bloom and the, the nonsense that goes with that. So <laughs> a little bit entertaining, a lot educational, 
And so if you're, you know, you're, you're on your investment journey, I highly recommend you, you taking a look at those videos and, and what's on those platforms. And I, in to the audience listening, I love his content coming, <laughs> coming out of there. Like it's, it's, it, and I love how you just simplify it. Like it's, it's just very short, sweet to the point and it makes sense. So definitely go check, definitely go check Justin out. I'll plug all those social media ads in the show notes and then stick with us for in a few days for the action items episode. Thanks for listening to the multifamily artist podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.